Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Four, two, three, two. Four kids, two cars, three jobs, two sports. Uh, today's topic is going to address the need for unstructured play. And I just read those numbers off to remind myself I haven't even given a lot of thought to actually intentionalizing uh, unstructured play. So uh, today we have Dr. Rhoda again, and she is passionate about this subject. And uh, I, I am always learning. I think it's a great one to ponder, especially during the summer months. Hello, Professor Marty. Do you remember building forts in your living room when you were a kid? What did that experience teach you? You know, as you gather up couch cushions and you move furniture around and you gather blankets and sheets and you make a complete mess of the living room, what were you learning? This effort requires problem solving. If you're doing it with a friend or a sibling, then you're practicing your social skills. You're making mistakes and then you're learning from those mistakes. Everything topples in and you're like, oh, that engineering feat didn't work. How can we else, how else can we do this? You're creating, you're using all of those executive functions that are so important in life. So four-year-olds, when they have free time to play without guidance from adults, are actually building their brains. I am such a fan, as you mentioned in the intro, for unstructured playtime, where adults aren't intervening. We're not telling them what to do or how they should do it or how to make it better. It's just time for kids to play and really explore. And that is so healthy for the brain and for social issues and that sort of thing. So uh, do you remember playing cops and robbers or did you play school or did you play like you were a professional athlete? I did all of those. Yeah. When you imagine that you're someone else and you're living in their world, you're actually growing mirror neurons. And mirror neurons are the cells that allow you to feel empathy for others. And I think that empathy, compassion, that's like the building block. That's the, or the mortar of the building blocks of a, of a healthy society. And when children get the chance to play and imagine, they're actually growing those neurons in their brain. So exciting stuff that goes on when we play. If you ever built that fort in the neighborhood or a skateboard ramp, or you rode your bikes to another neighborhood, did you ever get into arguments with your friends or like me, break a wrist or get lost? If you did, that day of play taught you as much as any other day of school ever has. At least that's what I think. That's my opinion, that that kind of play is just as valid as what we learned while we're in school. And isn't it interesting? I think also when those experiences happen, you vividly remember them yeah. because it was to a degree unstructured mm -hmm. and you didn't quite know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Yep. So some of the benefits there when you, those things I was just talking about, you know, it taught you that you need to, to plan ahead and be more careful, like if you're like me and you broke your wrist. Um, it also taught me that things heal. Mistakes, they're not the end of the world. Uh, it helps you understand how to get along with other people, resolving conflict without any interaction from adults. If you got lost while you're out riding your bike in a further away neighborhood, you got to practice your problem solving skills, which actually grows your parietal lobe that helps you navigate spaces. So there's just all kinds of, it seems like, wow, that's just play. But that just play is so very healthy for young people and older people. So, so in other words, your brain is just always processing. It's right. always learning. And, and this gives it an opportunity to really learn in a different environment. And it's experiential learning, which to me is one of the most powerful forms of learning that we have when we learn from experience. So much of play right now is structured in our society. Parents, look at your calendar. How much of your child's playtime is organized on your calendar with team practices, lessons, camps, play dates, 
all things that are organized by adults. I think that's really key. It's the adult that is initiating those skills and, and, yep. and oftentimes, the, the, at least in my case, sometimes if you sit down and have a heart to heart with your with your child, they're not really into what you think they're into. Right. Uh, so that's a really good reminder. Let kids be kids and be and you talked about this in a previous podcast, really be sensitive to what are and watch and observe what are the passions mm-hmm. that, your, mm-hmm. your child or your student is displaying as opposed to what do you think their passion should be. Exactly. And you said an important thing there when you said have a conversation with your kid, right? That's the biggie is open talk without my opinions of what I think they should be doing. But it's their time. It's their free time. And so they need to figure out how to organize it and what to do. And now I'm not saying that the structured stuff is bad. You know, I played organized softball from kindergarten through high school and all of that is not bad, but there's really benefits to it. But we have to be careful that that's not all our kids are doing. Are our kids also getting some unstructured playtime? Again, these things aren't bad. We want to make certain that kids have unstructured time to grow, to learn, to discover, to be bored. There is such value in boredom for our brains. To solve problems, to be themselves, figuring out life by themselves. It gives them a sense of autonomy. I can float my own boat. I don't need company every single minute of every single day. I can go play alone. Or I don't need help for absolutely everything I do. I love to play ball. And I was the youngest and I didn't really have a sibling close in age and none of my siblings really enjoyed sports that much. So my mom taught me to toss the softball up on the roof and then catch okay. it as it came down, right? Uh-huh. And it really sure. practices your, your catching skills, uh-huh. your throwing skills. I spent hours, you know, some you, hitting the tennis ball up against the wall, uh-huh. shooting baskets by myself, playing with the dogs, just lost in time doing stuff I love to do. But I had to like problem solve and figure things out for myself. And when kids just have time to do that, to just explore, to get bored, to try something different, to dig in the mud, whatever it is. It's, it's really interesting because as you're talking, I'm like, hey, I did some of those, but I guess I never really thought. I spent a lot of time and it was unstructured and the roof working for the, the yeah. baseball and the garage yeah. door, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. absolutely. So we're in summer right now and I have some good news for parents. Feel free to shed the guilt of trying to create the perfect summer for your kids. You know, I think sometimes we try to organize everything and make sure that our kids are having a really good summer and that they're excited and that they're not bored. That is not your job. You don't have to do that. If you don't want to do it, feel free to take that off. Let your kids play. Let them play on their own, coming up with their own ideas. Unstructured play is shown to increase executive functioning skills, which those are those things that happen in your prefrontal cortex, such as organizing, staying focused, initiating tasks, self-regulation of emotions, self-monitoring or the ability to keep track of what they're doing and make adjustments based upon that as needed. So those are all beautiful things that are happening in the brain when kids just go play by themselves without any intervention from us whatsoever. So do you need another reason to stop running from activity to activity? I'm going to give you a few more here. The benefits of unstructured play. It provides opportunities for children to master elements of the world on their own terms. And because it's their own terms, they're more likely to remember. Yep. It develops self-determination, self-esteem, and the ability to self-regulate. All vital elements of emotional development. You know, if they're doing something and they're not getting the result they want, they figure out how to tweak it and adjust it. That's self-regulation. And and isn't that a big talk today with Mm -hmm. with the need for um, having more emotional development, stability, mental health, all plays into it. Absolutely. Uh, Unstructured play fosters social competence, a respect for rules. You know, one of the things about play is, did you always have rules in your games? And like maybe you were playing with the neighborhood kids and you were playing football, 
but you didn't have enough people. So you made up your own rules. You made yes. up your own boundaries. As kids work together to develop those rules, that's a huge skill to develop. Uh, self-discipline, aggression control. You know, you get mad and kids, kids have a good way of teaching you that you look pretty silly when you're doing that. Um, problem solving skills, leadership development, right? Somebody's got to rally the troops and what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? Conflict resolution, you know, you get into little skirmishes. If there's not an adult around to solve your problems, kids have to solve it themselves. Such a it, This is where kids can make kid-sized mistakes and it's not the end of the world. Playing by the rules, all of these things are tremendous benefits as far as the social. It stimulates the senses and allows children to discover the different textures and elements in the world. You know that when you feel, when you're a young child and you feel the feel of sandpaper or mud or pudding, um, it's actually wiring your brain. The senses are wiring, those, those neurons are, are wiring within your brain. So the more you can introduce young children to finger paints and sand and boxes and different textures, it actually wires their brain with experiences. It provides fertile ground to culture creativity and imagination. Uh, when they engage in self-directed play, they tap into creative thinking. Dressing up encourages kids to try out new roles. Messy play lets them experience those different textures and processes. And it also gives them a chance to learn how to clean up after themselves. That's right? the challenge. Yep. I think parents sometimes don't want their kids to play certain things because it's going to be messy. This is your beautiful opportunity to teach them responsibility. They get to play that, but they've got to clean it up. And you may help them or show them how to do it, but they're responsible for doing it. And they learn that every fun activity has a cost which is also an important life skill, right? There's a cost to everything. And as I'm listening, it's a reminder to me, okay, unstructured playtime, it also just can't be, okay, for these set 40 minutes because they need to work through it. They need time to clean up. And so often in our quest for efficiency, we don't allow enough time mm -hmm. to, to finish activities that they need to finish. Yeah, good point. Uh, it, enha it enhances cognitive understanding, just thinking about things and thinking through things, processes. It builds strength, coordination, cardiovascular fitness, can help moderate childhood obesity and all that's associated health complications. So, you know, it helps develop motor skills, running, skipping, climbing a tree, throwing and catching a ball, skipping a stone. All of these are vital for healthy growth and movement. When they have time to run around a yard or a playground, they learn to coordinate their muscle groups to do fun stuff such as swinging, climbing, balancing. It helps them take healthy risks with their bodies, such as jumping from a log. It builds their self-confidence and their ability to do things, and at the same time gives them exercise and reduces stress. So many young children today are struggling with stress and anxiety, and I think part of the problem is lack of free time, because not only is it just time to not be worrying about anything, but it's actually physical activity, which helps reduce and regulate stress. So, so healthy just in mental and physical health. Play helps kids through fear, and stress. Have you ever watched a toddler play like they're going to the doctor and they give vaccination or they, they are the doctor and they're giving vaccinations to their stuffed animals? When you're watching this, you're witnessing the power of play to help a youngster develop coping skills. For young children, trying on the role of a doctor or a parent or a teacher helps them feel in control and make sense of a situation that they may not be real comfortable with. It sees boredom as a vehicle for children to create their own happiness, enhance their inventiveness, and to develop self-reliance. You know, somebody else isn't always going to solve your problems for you. You know, when they come up to you, parents and teachers, and say that they're bored, say, hmm, so what are you going to do about that? You know, and if they're, I used to, when my nephew lived with me, he'd say he's bored and I'm running through all these activities of things he could do. And now nah, I don't feel like doing that. No, I don't want to do that. Finally, I said, okay, the law needs mode. 
pretty soon he found something, he found to, something do. to do, right? <laughs> That's right. So if you're really bored, you can help with the dishes. Right, right, you right. Know? So yeah, I mentioned before, it helps grow those mirror neurons, which are the building blocks for compassion and empathy. Promotes decision-making skills. When kids engage in self-directed play, they have a lot of decisions to make. Whether they're playing alone or with a friend or family member, what's the first step? What materials do we need to gather? Who's going to do what? Assigning different roles. These are big decisions to make, and kids are learning how to do that in an atmosphere where the consequences aren't big if they mess up. And they don't feel like the parent is looking over their right. shoulder, critiquing, analyzing, correcting. They're working at it through their own pace. And it, it, it also allows, like you've often often spoken to, the need for failure That's right. uh, as, as a foundational block for learning. It's the perfect place to make kid-sized mistakes and to learn from those. Yep, excellent point. So play is so important to optimal child development that it has been recognized by the United Nations High Commission for Human Rights as a right of every child. You know, when they're looking in like sweat labor shops and that sort of thing, that play is a right of every human child. Play is essential to development because it contributes to the cognitive, physical, social, and emotional well-being of children and youth. A report from the American Academy of Pediatrics by Kenneth Ginsberg. Uh, so the American Academy of Pediatrics is an organization that has a magazine, and they're trying to help uh, uh, doctors understand how to encourage families to let their children take part in unstructured play. And this article mentions that some of the factors that have reduced play include a hurried lifestyle, changes in family structure, and increased attention to academics and enrichment activities at the expense of recess or free child-centered play. So I think our, our intention is good. We want kids to maximize their abilities and be, and there's time for all of that structured stuff. But let's make sure there's also time for unstructured stuff because they both have benefits. They're just different benefits. So I know if you're an educator, uh, you may be thinking, as am I, well, wait a second. I, you know, I don't make the decision with uh, curricula. I don't make the decision with how much recess time or free time. We, we get that. At the same time, you do have the authority and the freedom within your classroom and what this is suggesting to me is maybe within the classroom, you know, we often teach educators make use of every single minute. Well, that, that's still true, but maybe the use of every single minute, some of it is set aside for just this. Yes. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Professor Marty. Mm -hmm. Do you mind, you just returned from the island of Grenada mm -hmm. and doing some work down there with some teachers. And he was telling me about this this morning about a review activity that he did that got people up and moving. Just share that because that's just a fantastic strategy. Okay. So uh, one of the activities, the, the, the topic was rethinking mathematics. And mm -hmm. so we went through just a lot of different foundational mm -hmm. techniques, strategies, and incorporated motivation, conflict resolution. But the, one of the strategies, one of the activities at the end was musical chairs. Now, I get it. Uh, if you're listening to this in America, this is not an aha moment. However, in, in Grenada, some of those teachers, uh, very gifted and skilled, had not played musical chairs. Mm -hmm. And so the individual who was musically minded, he played reggae music. Uh, another individual played the drums. They had these 20 uh, the, these 20 teachers had the time of their lives. And then the spin on it was, if you were eliminated, mm -hmm. and there were no broken bones, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you were eliminated, you had to share uh, one key item that you personally learned and valued uh, that it ha had occurred during the day. And it was just fascinating. They were laughing. They were dancing. Uh, they were moving. And those of you who know me know... Uh, I don't have rhythm. I can't dance. I was just sitting there in amazement, kind of monitoring. <laughs> they had such a good time. 
and they they remembered the information. That's right. Be, because it was it was fairly unstructured. Yeah. Uh, they had fun, and this was meaningful to them. So you know, little activities like that, we often say, oh, like really, what's the point of that? It really is is impactful. So you can play within your classroom. You can. And it actually is really a brain-friendly way for a review. So that was just, I thought that was a brilliant, wonderful little strategy used there. So what do we do? As parents and teachers, we know we need to have more unstructured play. What do we do? We care for children. We need to encourage them. Uh, when we need, to, I think one of the biggies is to create time and space and freedom to play. I think sometimes we get the idea that play is a waste of time. It's not. It's not a waste of time. There's incredible learning experiences, and that's just not for the early childhood. That's for all ages. It's for adults too. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, that play is just so imperative. So how do you create an environment where you value? and you create time and space and freedom to play. Throughout history, most children have been able to have unstructured time to play and be outside from dawn to dusk in the summer months, think like back on the farms, mm -hmm. right? They'd be working, but they'd be playing, they'd be outside, they'd be running around. Peter Gray, who's the author of a book called Free to Learn, Why Unleashing the Instinct to Play Will Make Our Children Happier, More Self-Reliant, and Better Students for Life. He paints a similar picture of his childhood play experiences in the 1950s. He says, when I was a child in the 1950s, my friends and I played in mixed-aged neighborhood groups almost every day after school until dark. We played all weekend and all summer long. We had time to explore in all sorts of ways, and also time to be bored and figure out how to overcome boredom. Time to get into trouble and find our way out of it. Time to daydream. Time to immerse ourselves in hobbies and time to read comics. What I learned through my play has been far more valuable to my adult life than much of what I learned in school. I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? So when viewed from a present-day perspective, these childhood play experiences stand in stark contrast to those of children today. The amount of time that children spend in unstructured free play today is in decline. Some common reasons for the decline include safety concerns, you know, stranger danger, crime, mm -hmm. traffic, the eroding social capital, increasing time spent in school, a rising belief that childhood is a time for resume building, and an overemphasis on structured activities such as sports, clubs, organizations, that sort of thing. You know, now that you bring this up, I was just doing doing a comparison with my kids in Grenada. A group mm -hmm. of boys every every night went out to the pier, watched the sunset. These were young men, you mm -hmm. know, middle school, mm -hmm. younger, mm -hmm. and they were throwing these skin ups at each other. Like it looks like somewhat like a a walnut, a chestnut mm -hmm. at each other. There were no parents around. Mm -hmm. And yet the, these young men goofed around, had fun, played, and they were all there the next day, which, which tells me nothing happened to them right. uh, going home, coming back. And, and I thought to myself, you know, in America, myself included, I as a parent would have been there observing, mm -hmm. making sure um, all of these things were in place yeah. When, yeah. when really there's a time and place not to do, not to put student in, uh, right. unnecessarily we don't dangerous. want to be completely hands off, right? But but, but just to realize, yeah, uh, kids can handle this. There's a time and space, and so they're going to make a mistake. They will. We did, right? We did stuff. Mm -hmm. We got into trouble. We did things we shouldn't have done. We threw a rock and it busted out a light bulb, mm -hmm. and then we had to fix it and pay for it, and we learned a lesson, right? I mean, our kids will not be perfect. We're not perfect, right? They'll mess up. We messed up. That's how we learn. That's and so yeah, that's fantastic. And I know a lot of times people are afraid of, and rightly so, afraid of you know children being abducted or something along those lines. But the chances of that happening are so very very minimal. I mean, we need to be aware. We need to take precautions. But really, do we really 
not give kids an opportunity to play because of that? You know, can they play in the backyard and just be unstructured, you know, or can they play on one of the cul-de-sacs and, you know, parents are around, they're within earshot, they can hear if some kid hollers and screams, but they're not out there with them. You know, can we take little steps towards giving our kids a little bit more freedom, a little bit more autonomy to where they're not always under the direct supervision and eye of a, a concerned adult? That's so very healthy for both the adults and the kids, but it's hard. It'll take a shift in how we think about things. Leah Karsten, a professor of urban geographies at the University of Amsterdam, she argues that this change has transformed children from active participants to backseat children who are passively escorted from one structured activity to the next by their parents. The tension between a parent's desire for control and a child's desire for freedom has been playing out for thousands of years, but today's parents seem to be gripping a bit tighter than at any other time in the recent past. And it's done out of love. We're not questioning motive here. We're just questioning the benefit. So unstructured play is a set of activities that children can dream up on their own without adult intervention. This type of play rarely has predetermined goals or objectives, but instead it allows children to create their own rules and establish their own limits. And here's a biggie. Research suggests that children should experience twice as much unstructured time as structured play experiences. And it tells the benefits of unstructured play on a whole. Twice as much and maybe that's, a, maybe that's a big step for you. Maybe you just start out by having a third as much, mm -hmm. you know, so you're going to have more structured, but you're going to just have a little bit more unstructured. And then as you get more and more comfortable with it, you start having more and more unorganized time. So, so as I reflect on this, what, what are some concerns that, that parents may have? Yeah. So I think that on the downsides, fear is probably the biggie, right? What if my child is abducted or injured? Uh, we always have to choose what's the, in the best interest of our own children, and you know your kids and you know your neighborhood, use good sound judgment, but really the odds of your child being abducted from your backyard are so very, very slim. Uh, maybe you begin by giving your young son or daughter 15 minutes of free time in the backyard without any adult supervision in the evening. And just if they fall off the swing set, get the wind knocked out of them, then, that happens. Yeah, they they yeah. learn, well, yeah. maybe I shouldn't try to jump off at that yeah. height. No, yeah. no, no, that never happened. <laughs> So what counts as unstructured playtime? We've been talking about it. I wanted to give you four quick criteria as we start wrapping this up. First off, it's self-chosen and self-directed, meaning as a parent or a caretaker or a teacher, we let the child choose. This is the biggie. This fact immediately eliminates organized sports, music lessons, and they don't, they're not play. They're wonderful. They're beautiful things, but they're not play. It's an activity that children themselves decide to do and take the initiative to do so. It's directed by the players themselves. And it's this very responsibility that helps them develop the life skills of figuring things out on their own. If they're bored, they get to solve their own problem. Uh, number two, it's done for its own sake, not an outside. Can you? I don't know if that's. I, I, we have I, thunder I, I, going I'm on here. I'm hearing the thunder here. So as you listen to this, no, you know, thunder and lightning. Uh, <laughs> your, your your kids in their backyard probably are more likely to be struck by thunder or lightning uh, than than uh, any than being abducted, yeah. abducted things like that. So it's. Yeah. Uh, Unstructured play is done for its own sake. There's not an outside award or approval. This is the big one too. There's no one judging you. That gives you amazing freedom to try things you wouldn't try if people were watching or judging you. You can just explore. Number three, there may be structure, there may be structure to play, but it is the players that determine the structure, not an adult. So their game may have rules, but the kids get to come up with the rules and enforcing the rules, not an adult. And number four, it has an element of imagination. You step into an imaginary world where anything can happen. You can be in the NBA or the NFL or fly on a magic carpet or gallop on an imaginary horse around the backyard. That was my favorite. Um, your GI Joes are real. Your Legos take on a life of their own. Um, that imagination is so huge. 
So in wrapping this up, play is good for kids, social, emotional, physical, and mental health. It's the right of every child. And ideally it gets twice as much, unstructured play gets twice as much time as structured play. So several studies suggest that when kids have longer recess time, they do better in academics. And yet many districts are cutting back on recess time to focus more time on academics. So again, when your kids are at recess, their brains are still working. They're pondering, they're thinking, they're processing, and then they can come back fresh and look at it from a new perspective. There's just such tremendous benefit to recess time within the school's learning day. So it may feel uncomfortable for us not to be hands-on as adults, but look at it this way. It may also free up a little bit of time for you, and maybe you can find a little time to play too. Oh, but that's next week's podcast. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five takeaways on the topic of play for children. Number one, parents uh, allow time, space, and freedom for your child to play. Don't structure it. Uh, allow them to um, use that time. Number two, as your children are using this unstructured free time, let them solve their own problems that, that they create as they're playing. Number three, keep your child accountable. In other words, don't bail them out. If they create a mess, uh, also insist that they uh, clean up the mess. And number four, uh, we get it parents. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of concerns that you may have with this. Uh, start small. Uh, give them 15 minutes of unstructured uh, play time. See how it goes in a, in, a, in a safe environment and slowly work it up. And number five, uh, the end goal is really, according to research, twice as much unstructured time as uh, structured play experiences. Remember all the benefits and uh, slowly move in that direction. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.